So this is a warm up that I like to do with choirs to get everybody's mind on the same page because it's you know a lot of different people coming from a lot of different places. Maybe they've been stuck in traffic. So it's a quick thing to get them on the same page. And I'm stealing this from uh, Steve Scott of the Barbershop Harmony Society. But on one hand, let's say your right hand, you're going to give a thumbs up and only your thumb is extended. And then on your left hand, you're going to extend your index finger and only your index finger on your left hand is extended. So again, you have your thumb in your right hand and your index finger in your left hand. And then you're going to switch. So now your thumb is extended on your left hand and only your index finger is extended on your right hand. And you're going to do that kind of in tempo. So you're going to switch, 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 switch. Now, if you found yourself giving kind of a, a handgun, you know, with a thumb and an index finger with one hand, that's wrong. We don't want to do that. We just want one <laughs> digit in each hand at the same time. So it, it kind of, People think, well, why is this so difficult? Why I should just be able to move my fingers, but it, it kind of takes some uh, getting used to. And then for pros, what I'll do is as you switch and you do the index finger in one hand and the thumb in the other and switch back and forth, is we'll alternate counting the alphabet and numbers. So for example, every time you switch, oh you go A, one, B, two, C, Three, and again, every time you're switching your fingers, you're changing the alphabet D, four, E, five. And about that point, I myself forget where I am, but others can kind of keep, keep, keep it going. And, and that's a, a good warm up to get rehearsals going, to get everybody mentally in the room. They're out of traffic, they're out of their works, they're out of their troubles at home, whatever's going on, and they're in that room and they're ready to work. Wow. My, my fingers are perpetually in the finger guns position. I know. Hands. I was literally doing it too. And at one point I had like my index and middle finger up and my thumb. And I was like, this is all incorrect. <laughs> it's a good brain teaser though. Yeah. It's getting my brain totally wired up and, and ready to go. This is awesome. <laughs> and there's, there's, a, there's a couple other ones that, that, that I can do where you can like do your thumb, like thumb as if you're hitchhiking. And then on the mm -hmm. other hand, do your pinky pointing the same direction. And then you alternate your thumbs and your pinkies. So your thumb and your pinky are always oh, pointing in the same direction. No. <laughs> There's that one. Nope. Can't do yeah. that one. <laughs> my hands hurt. We're wow, going to have to my get brain, a... That really shows me how bad my like hand dexterity, hand-eye coordination, and just brain-to-hand is. It's just well, bad. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not just that, though. I mean, there's there's what you're doing is you're working, you know, things on different sides of your body, which kind of connect different hemispheres of your brain. So there's other things you can do. I mean, I could I, uh, there's a, month, a bunch of these, but anything that kind of connects one hemisphere of the body to the other hemisphere of the body and kind of go, going back and forth is just kind of going to awaken a lot of things and, and help people get the creative juices flowing. So you got this from other people. Is this typically how you find different warm-ups? You just try them out with different groups and see which one kind of connects with? Yeah, there, there's a number of them. And I, I wouldn't necessarily do that warm-up at the start of every rehearsal or the start of every class, but every once in a while. And what's funny is that <laughs> every time I will reintroduce one, then it's it's like 50, 50 cheers and groans. <laughs> so I think... That's that's generally a good sign that I'm getting some sort of reaction, whether positive or negative. Right. Welcome to Artistic Beginnings. I'm Melody. 
and I'm Mitch. This week, we're trying something a bit new. We're trying a new format out, and we would love to hear your feedback if you like it or if you hate it. So let's get into it. We had the chance to speak with Justin Miller this week. So I am Justin Miller. Justin is a musician, singer, choral director, music educator, and father of two. I currently, although for not much longer, the director of the Westminster Chorus, which is a men's choral group in Southern California, generally based in Orange County, but we have members that coming from Los Angeles and San Diego areas to, to participate. We generally concentrate on barbershop style music, but we also do some classical things and some contemporary acapella things as well. I've also conducted um, a number of other barbershop groups from the Masters of Harmony, which was also in Southern California, to the Big Apple Chorus for a brief stint when I lived in Connecticut. I also am a teacher. I've taught at Modern Day High School in Santa Ana, California. I've taught at Staples High School in Westport, Connecticut. And uh, I currently teach at Liberty High School in Hillsboro, Oregon. I just moved up here recently to be closer to family. My wife's entire family is Portlanders, and so we moved up here to be close to them. I had the chance to meet Justin when I was looking for a way to fulfill my artistic need when I was just finishing up college. I joined Westminster Barbershop Chorus, and Justin was the director at the time. He had already at that point, however, made a huge influence on the society. The Barbershop Harmony Society, or as it was formerly known, the Society for the Preservation and Encouragement of Barbershop Quartet Singing in America, Incorporated. Um, which is a really long name. That's so long. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it started. It started as a joke, um, making fun of FDR's alphabet soup. The mission of the Barbershop Harmony Society is to bring people together in harmony and fellowship to enrich lives through singing. The Barbershop Harmony Society believes that the experience of singing together in harmony is meaningful to all people and should therefore be accessible to people in all combinations. Because we share this similarity. For our podcast and mission, it was great to see how the Barbershop Harmony Society and Justin share the vision of the world. Justin talked about this and how music influenced him from a very early age. Just like how Melody and I started off in the industry, it was a family affair. I experimented with performing and singing throughout the years, and Melody followed suit. Justin had a pretty similar experience getting into the arts. My older brother is the kind of person that tried everything. But he only tried it for like six months. So, like, you know, he did karate for six months, and then he did, you know, was a was a male ballet dancer for six months. And and one of those things was he tried to play piano. And I think he had forty five or hour lessons where the piano teacher would come over to our house. Well, as he did a number a number of things, he started to lose interest. But as me, kind of a, a young kid, got some interest. So it started where he would get, you know, the majority of the lesson, and I would get five minutes. And then maybe then I get 10 and then we'd split it. And before you knew it, I was a three-year-old kid and I was taking piano lessons the entire time. And so I started playing, you know, really young at the age of three or four and really continued that study throughout high school and then into college. Don't ask me to play for anything now because I, I, <laughs> I stopped practicing and I can't, really, you know, I, I know my way around the piano to kind of lead rehearsals for my high school choirs and, and do some arranging and composition, but I'm not, I'm no, no virtuoso anymore. It never was, really. Justin was really passionate about theater in middle school and high school. Fortunately, he went to a high school that had a theater program that was known to produce great talent. He also was very grateful for the community and experience where he learned a lot about himself. I determined that being an actor or going down that performance route wasn't for me. Not that I I didn't believe in my talent. I, I didn't believe in my personality to go to audition after audition and kind of keep treading the boards and not take no for an answer mm. and sell myself and sell myself and sell myself because 
when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm more of an introverted person and I just didn't feel like I could do that. Although Justin didn't find his path in acting, it didn't mean he wouldn't find a passion within the arts. During this time in high school, Justin started experiencing anxiety and depression, much like many others his age. In that high school time as well, junior, senior of high school, was dealing with some pretty strong um, social anxiety, was diagnosed with depression at the age of 16. And that also influenced what I was doing in terms of applying for colleges and going on college auditions. And my diagnosis probably interfered with my ability to complete some of those auditions well. And so I, I didn't get into many um, of the colleges that I, I really wanted to or thought I uh, I could have gotten into, mainly because I, I, I really wasn't preparing to to succeed in that way because of, of what was going on. Justin went on to college, and although he didn't know exactly what he wanted to do, he found comfort and community in the arts. I mentioned the, the year at community college, which I loathed. What mm-hmm. got me through it was when we moved to California, I was invited to go to a rehearsal of the Masters of Harmony. I had been involved, or not involved, I, I, I participated with the barbershop community at a distance. Um, we would go to the international convention every summer um, as a family. It was kind of a, a mini vacation that we would take because my dad would go because he was an international champion. And so he, he would go to participate every year. And But I never got the opportunity to sing for myself because although there is barbershop in Connecticut, it's not as necessarily robust as it is in Southern California. So when I had the opportunity to join the Masters of Harmony, I really jumped at that. And being a member of the Masters of Harmony and joining that ensemble was really what got me through that that kind of horrendous first year of college. It's what got me through my leave of absence. It's what got me through working at just some retail place. Um, and it allowed me to grow. It allowed me to grow as a person. Um, Mark Hale, the director of the Masters of Harmony at the time, saw something in me and gave me a leadership role. So a couple of years after I joined, I became the presentation coordinator. I'm using my theater background and, and helping with the visual aspects, helping with the choreography, helping with the presentation uh, of, of that chorus. And shortly after joining, then Westminster formed, and I joined Westminster. And so it's Westminster and the Masters of Harmony and, and growing leadership in them that, again, got me through that, that gross year, got me through my leave of absence and just kind of working. And then when I went back to Chapman, um, I was a little bit more confident. And I initially went to Chapman as a vocal performance major. At Chapman, Justin did a lot of different things and held down a number of responsibilities. And we mean a lot. So we're doing Masters of Harmony, we're doing Westminster, we're doing uh, Chapman um, all at the same time. And then during my senior year at Chapman, when I'm doing private conducting lessons and I'm kind of working with the, the, the chamber singers there uh, for my senior recital, is also the year that I took over Westminster. Justin had a lot on his plate. But he opened up about finding his way through it. I didn't mention that in terms of going back to the depression that, that you know, not only did, did the music and, and the participating in, in the barbershop and, 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 and Chapman help get me out of that uh, cloud that I was in for, for several years, probably from like 16 to 22, 23, maybe 24 Um but I, I was also working with with uh, some some professional therapists and things to make sure that um, 
that that got you know I got out of it. Uh, but it took a long time and, and, and the right find the right combination of people. So once once I found the right person while I was going in Chapman, while I was doing Westminster, while I was doing Masters, it just kind of all clicked and, and kind of found um found a version of myself that I liked. You know, I think uh, mm-hmm. there were so many things where, where people have certain views of themselves. And for a long time I had a view of myself that I just I wasn't I wasn't likable, I wasn't good enough. And so everything that I did and everything that I saw and every interaction that I had with other people was through that lens of like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm just not good enough. And this, this person doesn't actually like me. Um, and then mm. it, it was finding that, finding that success in music that said, no, that's, that's not actually true. And was able to, to really branch out and, and kind of be who I wanted to become. Not only did Justin find professionals to help support him, he went out and took action to build a life that would provide the support he needed. He worked on himself by pursuing passions and using them to drive his health rather than to pursue them strictly as a career. There's a saying, the idle mind is the devil's playground. Ooh, I like that. And and so for me, that, that was definitely true. And I mean, you notice like I was, you know, doing a lot of things and doing a lot of art that I was passionate about. And it was occupying my time with things that I loved that improved my state of mind. Because if I just was at home sitting, watching TV, playing video games or whatever, mm-hmm. which, you know, we, we all kind of have those habits. And, and, and frankly, I still do those things from time to time. because It's a nice mental break. But it was that behavior that caused my thinking to spiral and to just kind of dwell on negative things and to, to overanalyze and to overthink versus if I just have something purposeful in front of me that I can be productive doing, then I'm not thinking about any possible things negative. And frankly, a lot of the negativity was illusion. It wasn't real. It was, it was stuff that I created in my mind because of a negative core value of myself. And so it was, it was just mm. continuing to put work in front of me, things I was passionate about. And for a lot of this, this wasn't work. It was hobby. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm singing in the Masters of Harmony as a volunteer singer. I'm for a long time singing in Westminster Chorus as a volunteer member, um, you know, singing in college, which is, you know, not something I'm, so it's not like, you know, I think a lot of people that are trying to be artists, you know, trying to, to support themselves as a career. And, and I'm certainly, well, I'm not even sure I'm able to do that now because my, my primary career as an educator, not necessarily mm. a performer or an artist. I, I still do a lot of that, but that's not, that's not how I support myself. But again, putting that positive work, putting that passion projects in front of me so that some of the humdrum things of life could be easier. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this thing that sucks. You know, I'm going to get through this, you know, while I was in college, this, you know, I don't know, humanities homework, this essay I have to write. I'm going to get through this. <laughs> Right. So that then I can go back to studying the music, so that I can get back to conducting, so that I can get back to to making music with my friends, because that's ultimately what it, all, what it was all about. And and I think that's right. that was one of the things that was is beautiful about Westminster and other barbershop groups is that so many of the people that that go there are are friends, and uh, they go to rehearsal, they sing, and then what do they do after rehearsal? They go to a bar and they sing some more. Um, 
and annoy all the other patrons. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Worth it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a moment of like aha, this is what's gonna what's gonna help me change my state of mind. This is gonna get me out of my my depression. It was it was a realization over time that you know what this is this is help this is helping. I'm I'm gonna do more. And certainly, uh, as an adult uh, now in my mid to late thirties. Um, for a second, I forgot how old I actually was. Um, you get like past 35. It happens to me all the time. You get past 35 and it's like, I don't even, I don't even know. Um, You're like some number. I'm, I'm old. Um, uh, I, I forgot what I was saying. Oh no, as an adult, I, I still feel moments of feeling depressed, of, of feeling that, that anxiety. And generally what I've, what I found is it's because I'm maybe not as busy. You know, I, uh, I'm not finding things to occupy my time. I'm just letting myself just kind of be, um, mm. and, and so then I have to kind of very diligently, okay, now what can I do? And nowadays it looks a little bit different. Nowadays it's maybe spending more time with my kids, more purposeful time with my kids, or like now that we're in this, um, you know, COVID-19 quarantine or, or social distancing to keep myself from being bored. I've created this virtual choir inspired by the great work that Eric Whitaker has done over the years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to also give people the same outlet, you know, cause I think there's a lot of people that can't go to work and are working from home and are maybe, maybe bored, or maybe there's some people that are out of work that they need some hope. And that's one of the reasons why I've, I've done that. Justin found great purpose in what he does, but understood that he couldn't do it alone. Like many other artists that need strong support systems, Justin found his and his family. So my wife is the daughter of, well, I don't want to say she's the daughter of, uh, she's a part of a very large barbershop family. Her brother sang, her dad sings, her mom sings, her her mom's dad sang her uncle sang so they're 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 very involved and actually we met at a barbershop convention back in 2003 Hmm. yeah uh that's a a very sweet story maybe for another time um (laughs) do a little mini podcast of your meeting as long as there was a barbershop at your wedding that's all i care about (laughs) there was there 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 was uh, a quartet (laughs) sang at our wedding um awesome so she was very supportive we, we got married and I continue to have two rehearsals a week in addition to whatever was needed for school, which, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'd be on three nights a week. You know, I would say with the various rehearsals, retreats, concerts, um, probably two weekends a month were, month were impacted. And when you're just a single couple, mm. uh, just the two of us, that's fine to, to work, to work out and, and to deal with. It really started to get difficult when we had um, our first kid, our daughter, Tenley, Um, because she was taking care of her a lot. And it can be overwhelming when you're a new parent, uh, especially a a new mother, um, trying to take care of of her sometimes by herself. And and so that's really where the, the rubber hit the road. And my wife was... The kind of person where she doesn't really speak up until it's it's a, a, like a really big deal. She tends to hold, mm. and, and I'm I'm kind of very similar. Where, you know, if it's if it's not a big deal, I'll let it roll off my back. And then, 
it, it gets it to be a big deal and then you finally, finally speak up and she's that way. And so it, it took her a while to, to speak up. And it also happened to be around the same time when my daughter was old enough to realize that I was leaving a lot to her rehearsals. Mm. And that's tough. I would get up to leave from dinner and, you know, we, we'd finish dinner. I'd get up, you know, kiss everybody by and, and she would cry and be like, da, 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 da. And, and that was tough. And at that point, it's good to have a team, you know, with both Westminster Masters, there was a pretty good team there. And mm-hmm. I just started communicating to them like, hey, I, I need you guys to, to do a little bit more. And I've always been a very, if you want it done right, do it yourself kind of person. And so I, I tend to, because of that, you know, it's like, ah, this person's not doing it fast enough. I'm just going to do it. Which is, which is not healthy either. And it doesn't necessarily help build good leadership around your organization. So I just had to force myself to let people do stuff. In some instances, let them fail. And certainly several years later, this was 2018, Westminster went to the International Conference in Orlando. And we had, at this point, we had won three times. And so we had just kind of expected to go in and win. Not like easily. We were working very, very hard to make sure that we achieved that goal. And then we didn't. And it was really hard because at that point we had our second child, Mason. I was, you know, still doing all these things. It was was very overwhelming. Justin realized that something needed to change. Sometimes you have to let things go in order for them to grow. This can be good for personal health as well as letting the creative project grow beyond yourself. Things were kind of rough. I was both president of of Westminster and director. Again, if you want to do it yourself. And so I was... By the time I said, hey, I need to step away, I was acting immediate past president. So I was still on the board in an ex-official capacity, but I said, said I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even doing that. Like, you got to figure it out. I will come in. I will lead rehearsal. And I need you guys to make sure that everything is done behind the scenes. I'm emotionally drained. I need to be home with my family. And everyone was super supportive and everybody understood. And actually, the year after that was one of the best years that Westminster had. We worked on this, you know, from now on, from the greatest showman medley, and you know, which uh, it has close to three hundred thousand hits on YouTube right now. So it's this incredible thing that we created. It has the highest score in barbershop harmony society history, and and I think a lot of the success was because I forced myself to back up, force other people to lead more. And that also allowed me to think of things in a different way and allow more brain cells for creativity and inspiration rather than just day-to-day operational stuff. Yeah, it's hard sometimes when you're forced to take a step back and really slow down because it's when you get in the groove of doing a million things and you're so used to it, the thought can sometimes be like, oh, I'm giving up or, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. But then when you do step back and look and let other people lead or let other people help out, you really realize how beneficial it is for everyone. Yeah. And there needs to be some work that goes into making sure that that team is is ready for it. But in our, our case, they were. And uh, it, it was somewhat terrifying for me. I'm sure. Um, but then, you know, so later in in the middle of that year, my father-in-law got kind of a, a not so great diagnosis. He, he's turned out to be okay now, but it was that diagnosis that said, hey, because um, we've been talking about moving out to Portland for a while and it was always a long-term goal. We got the diagnosis and I said, okay, the time's now. We have to get it done. And it was the great work that they were doing, but kind of said, that, that allowed me to say, 
all right, we, we can move and it's, it's going to be okay. They're going to be able to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm still directing them from afar. Although who knows what's going to go on the, the remainder of this year with, with events being canceled. They currently haven't made right. a decision with the next international conference where I'm supposed to conduct the Westminster as past champs and, and, and sing the trophy to the, the next year's award winners. So that may not happen. So we'll see what the future brings with, with a long-term collaboration. But we're at a point where they, they've got it. Thanks for getting this far into our new format. We didn't change everything, though. So let's jump into our final questions. Let's do it. What is the hardest thing about pursuing the arts? Oh, believing in yourself. Like I said earlier, I didn't believe in myself to go down a performance path. And I may or may not have been successful, but I didn't even believe in myself to try. I never even tried. Mm. And so in order to do anything that's risky, whether it be, you know, putting yourself on a limb financially or just creating some art that's risky, you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe that the art is worth it. Because if you put out something that's just fine, no one's really going to care. But if you put out something that's risky because you believe that it's the thing to do, then people will will dig it. So Justin, what keeps you up at night? (laughs) <laughs> what keeps me up at night is is the stupid logistical things of my day job. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, ah, oh, I didn't collect the permission forms. You know, <laughs> nonsense like nonsense like that is what is what keeps me up at night. It's always the little things you never anticipate. It's little things. Oh, I need to submit a check request to the uh, bookkeeper. Uh, I like to, you know, work with the kids and make music. Uh, you know, and 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 get them excited about the music that we're making, the music that we're learning, the music that we're singing. And to be like, oh yeah, right. I have to make a budget for this field trip that we're taking. Mm. That sucks. Yeah, it's not as fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last of our closing questions. To a person that might be interested in pursuing the arts while still working a nine-to-five job, what advice would you give? I think it depends on what they want to do. You know, if they want to perform, then go out, join a community choir, uh, go out, audition for a community show. And it might not be right away what you want it to be, but at least you're doing it. You'll gain some experience. You'll make some contacts. You'll make some friends. You, you will probably have a, a likelihood of being fulfilled to a degree. And then you can take it from there. You know, maybe... If, if theater is your thing, for example, you do a community thing and maybe you do a couple community shows and, and then after a while you, you can, there's a, like a non-equity professional show that you've got audition for and, and just kind of work your way up like that. But I think don't expect to be a Tony winning performer right away. You just got to make art because art deserves to be made. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. You can find out more about our guest on Instagram and Facebook at Justin P. Miller Music. His information and more details about the interview can be found on our website, www.artisticpodcast.com. If you liked the conversation, let us know by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like you find the show and gives us a chance to know who's listening. For updates on new episodes and content, you can also follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy and wash your hands.